covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I am your host. I have you for the next hour or so as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. As normal, we'll take care of our housekeeping items to get things started. If you happen to listen to us via Apple Podcast and you can leave a review or a ranking, that would be uh, very helpful. It helps us uh, move up the list and more people find us, and that's the whole idea of it. Also, if you ever want to get in contact with me, whether you have a comment, maybe about uh, something specific that we're talking about in the podcast and you want to give your two cents, or you just have a general comment about the podcast, the easiest and best way to uh, get at me is via Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can always tweet at me. I like having the conversations publicly, but if there is something you just want to tweet right directly at me, uh, my DMs are always open, so you can always uh, direct message me on Twitter as well. Or you can uh, go with the email, matt.pauley at wtmj.com. Also, I want to say thank you to you. Had something pretty cool happen this past week. We always receive our digital numbers each month and we're part of the WTMJ mobile network, which is a lot of podcasts. If you listen to us via WTMJ.com and you go to the mobile podcast drop-down menu, you see that we have a fair amount of podcasts that are part of the mobile network. We've always had pretty good numbers, which is uh, a testament to you guys continuing to listen week after week. But this past month, we had our best month in terms of listens, and we also were the number one most listened to podcast on the entire WTMJ mobile network, which is really, really cool. And it's just, it, it meant a lot to me. It has very little to do with me, it has to do with you guys listening to it. So, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you listening each week, and uh, you can know that. For whatever it's worth for you, uh, when I saw the numbers this past week and found out that we were number one for the month of May, it uh, really made my day. So you were you were part of that, and I certainly appreciate it. Here's what we've got coming up on the program this week. We're going to have a first-time guest on. J.R. Radcliffe is going to join us. Uh, if you are in the Milwaukee area, you have probably seen J.R.'s work. Uh, in the Journal Sentinel at jsonline.com. He uh, does a lot of preps coverage. His coverage this year has expanded, and he now also serves as the trending sports reporter uh, for the Journal Sentinel and JS Online. That means he ends up doing a lot of Brewers stuff. He also hosts the Brewers podcast uh, that they do over there on the Journal Sentinel website. So JR is going to join us coming up in just a, a few moments. And then after that, we are going to be joined by one of my favorite people to have on the podcast, a guy that I worked alongside for six years when I was one of the broadcasters uh, for the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. That is the voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, uh, Dan Karcher. Of course, the Sky Sox are the AAA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. So Dan's going to be coming up here in just a little bit. So here we sit. We record this podcast every Sunday night. Uh, so it's about 1130 at night on uh, Sunday, June 3rd, as I'm talking to you here at this moment. And a lot of times you look at the baseball season and it's about getting to Memorial Day and then going from there. Don't fall in too big of a rut before Memorial Day. Keep your head above water or whatever cliche you want to use. Well, obviously the Brewers have done significantly more than keeping their head above water because they have the best record in the entire National League. 
But this is a good time to kind of evaluate where things are and where you see them going. And we have started to see some separation now in the National League. Some teams that have gone off to uh, nice starts like the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They are absolutely starting to fall off. Where some teams that had some slow starts are starting to come on like the Washington Nationals, uh, like the San Francisco Giants. They've won four in a row, as we're talking on Sunday night. The Los Angeles Dodgers are 7-3 and three in their last 10. They seem to be picking things up just a bit. I think the Brewers are here to stay. This is a good baseball team that's going to continue to be able to play well. Now, can they continue to win close to 62% of their games the rest of the season? I don't know. Quite honestly, I probably lean towards no. That's a really good clip that the Brewers are on right now, but it wouldn't completely shock me. But something that's kind of, uh, as I look at the standings, I think going into this year, we had a pretty good idea that it might be a fun battle in the NL Central. And everything that I'm seeing just continues to show that it is. Uh, the Brewers are a good team. They're a very good team. They're worthy of their record. That's not a fluke that they're 37-23. and 23 have a game-and-a-half lead on the Braves for the best record in the entire National League. They're a good team. Chicago Cubs are a good team. Cubs just went on a 7-1 road trip, 8-2 in their last 10 games. They've won four in a row, as we talk on Sunday night, and they've pulled within two games of the Brewers. Cubs are not going anywhere. Cardinals, three-and-a-half games back, 32-25 and 25 on Sunday. They almost got a no-hitter out of Michael Waka. Marcelo Zuna hit a grand slam. He's starting to swing it a little bit better. It'd be fun. It'd be great for the Brewers just to run away with the division and never have to worry about the Cubs, never have to worry about the Cardinals. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I think what that's going to result in is a lot of games that really matter. I think you play your divisional opponents too much. I just do. I, there's so many games between between you and your divisional opponents. But you know what? When, when you're a team that's contending, like the Brewers are, it gives you a ton of opportunities to play games that have great meaning. I think there's a pretty good chance that three teams from the National League Central are going to make it into the postseason. Uh, I, I think the Brewers, Cubs, and Cardinals could all be playoff teams. Now, the teams in the National League East are going to have something to say about that as well with the Braves, the Nationals, and the Phillies. Those are your top six teams right now in the National League. The top team in the National League West, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they are five games back of the Brewers in terms of overall record. And look, I think the Rockies are a pretty good team too. And I think the Phillies will fall off. I don't know what to think of the Braves at this point. They just they had a really impressive weekend where – the Nationals had a chance to take over first place in the National League East, and the Braves kind of took care of business. And the, the, they, they, they did what they needed to do. But I would say strap in. Strap in and enjoy it. There's going to be some highs. There's going to be some lows. But it's going to be a really enjoyable rest of the season. First two months are in. If your job is to keep your head above water for the first two months, the Brewers have done that and more. And now you get into June. It's going to be the all-star break before you know it. And it is a sprint to the finish after that. It's amazing that 
we're essentially a third of the way through the season. We've passed the one-third mark. And uh, this is where things start to pick up a little bit more, where you, you've, you've established your record through the first two months of the season. The question is, can you keep that record through the final four months of the season? Again, we are going to be joined uh, by J.R. Radcliffe in the program today. We'll also be joined by Dan Karcher, the voice of the Sky Sox. But before we get to any of that, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Headlines of the Week, the Major League Baseball Amateur Entry Draft is beginning on Monday. It will last a few days. Uh, The Brewers are going to pick 21st coming up on the podcast next week. We plan to uh, break down the draft as well as we uh, can. A lot of times it's tough with some of these guys, but we'll go through uh, our draft. uh, We'll go back through some of the players. So next week will kind of be our post-draft special, I guess you could say. Not a lot to preview. I think I did a draft preview last last year on the podcast, and I don't even know what I said. Uh, it's the baseball draft is such a crapshoot. You can look at areas that the that the organization could could use, but it's tough to talk about beforehand. And the fact that the Brewers are picking 21st this year, when you're picking that late, you have less of an idea of who might be available. Uh, this past week, Zach Davies placed back on the disabled list. You kind of saw it coming. He had struggled in back-to-back starts, and after his most recent start, uh, he admitted there was still some pain in the shoulder. Uh, Craig Council admitted there was some pain in the shoulder as well. And with that, he goes on the disabled list. I give them a lot of credit, especially Zach Davies. He was not using that pain as an excuse. He was simply stating there's some pain there. So he'll go back on the disabled list. They'll be very careful with him now and make sure that he does not return before uh, he is 100% healthy and 100% pain-free. G-Man Choi was recalled from AAA Colorado Springs uh, with the Brewers playing games against the White Sox and the Indians. The designated hitter was available to use, so they brought up Choi for that. Also, the fact that uh, the Brewers are going through a period where they're going to have three off days in an eight-day period. They don't need a fifth starter for a while, so they could place Zach Davies on the disabled list and replace him with a position player until they need a uh, starter once again. Eric Thames is back hitting. That is good news. He was on the field doing some uh, work in Arizona, going to go through some extended spring training games in Maryvale, and then after that he will go on a minor league rehab assignment, and as that moves along, if that goes well, he'll be back with the Brewers. What role he'll have with the team when he returns, that is a fantastic question that right now there's no answer to. If you look at the team right now with Jesus Aguilar, the way he's playing at first base, you don't know what it will look like. I always say, this is one of my sayings, that it always works out, and I think when Eric Thames does return, it's going to end up working out. And then uh, finally, uh, we saw Orlando Arcia return to the big leagues after just a few days. He had gone to AAA Colorado Springs to try to uh, get his bat going, and then Tyler Saladino ended up suffering a sprained left ankle that he got pretty good, and he's on the disabled list right now. He's gonna, They haven't really given a timeline yet. X-rays were negative, so that was good. They need swelling to go down before anything can happen uh, past that. But uh, Orlando Arcia is ba- back. He's come up with a couple hits. His first game, he drove in the winning run. On the game Sunday, they had a perfectly uh, executed hit and run where he put it through the hole on the first base side. So uh, 
you hope that his offense will get going. We know what he can do defensively, but you hope that the offense can absolutely get going moving forward. Those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We do continue on, and right now, very happy to welcome on to the program. He is the trending sports reporter over at the Journal Sentinel and JS Online, doing a lot of Brewers stuff uh, this year. You can hear him on the uh, Journal Sentinel's uh, Brewers podcast, and he's always tweeting out uh, Brewers stuff as well. Been fun to see uh, all of his coverage. We're very happy to welcome uh, on to the program J.R. Radcliffe. J.R., it's great to talk to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're glad to uh, have you on. Now, uh, am I correct? Were you? Did you just spend basically the entire weekend covering, was it state track and field that was uh, <laughs> that was going on? Yes, that is correct. I was uh, I was over in lacrosse and uh, a couple days of just sort of nonstop madness with uh you know, with the high school coverage, which I've I've been I've been covering high school sports for for almost a decade and a half here, so uh, still some stuff, so pretty connected to that stuff. So um, so yeah, we were there for two days. We had about three thousand state champions and a lot of other stories to write. But uh, I am back back in Greater Milwaukee now, safe and sound. In a previous life, I worked basically the the St. Louis newspaper, the St. Louis Post Dispatch has. The uh, has kind of like the the community newspapers that the Journal Sentinel has. Uh, they have them the same sort of thing. And I was a high school sports reporter for that. And I remember covering state track in the state of Missouri. And that was the most just gruesome couple days. I mean, it's just nonstop stuff, and it's hard to keep up with everything. It is. It's so much fun, though. I love state track and probably there are a lot of people who will think that's crazy but it is such an amazing event it's a little like state wrestling i get similar looks when i say how much i love that but there's so many state champions like the whole thing is just a slew every few minutes there's a new state champion and they all have their stories and sometimes sometimes you don't really find those stories but sometimes you do and it's just it's um it's just really cool it's a really cool environment and and uw lacrosse with the bluffs overlooking the track and the stands are packed and there's just so much emotion like it's it's just a it's it's an awesome collection of of moments basically so i do enjoy going to that every year it's a long event rain frequently gets in the way it didn't this year somehow but uh it's it's still uh, one of the highlights of the prep season for sure all right let's talk some uh some brewers baseball am i correct that you're doing a little bit more brewers related stuff this year than you've done previously Indeed, yeah. So a couple months ago, I, I used to be full-time prep sports writer for the community section and then transitioned into the Journal Sentinel newsroom. So now this uh, this position is new, trending sports reporter. And uh, it isn't exclusively Brewers, but since they're in season, there's probably been a lot more Brewers than other, other sports at this point. But just uh, try to looking, you know, covering from sort of a fan's perspective, looking at what's going on on social media, some of the things that are peripheral to the actual game. Uh, those are the things that I'm focused on writing about. Sometimes it's a, it's in, more in depth than other times. Sometimes it's really just writing a story about a series of tweets. But um, but yeah, hang, you know, trying to focus as much about the Brewers as I can. I'm I'm a big fan of the Brewers. Always have been. Been following them anyway. So these are things that I'm interested in as it as it stands. And you know, occasionally going to games, getting uh, getting interviews for the for the Brewers podcast and. And for some other other ventures, but uh, but yeah, doing a lot uh, a lot of Brewers coverage. So it's been a good time. What's your takeaway? They had won six straight series up until the series uh, against the White Sox over the last few days. They 
They go 0 for 16 with runners in scoring position, and their situational hitting had been so much better leading into this White Sox series. Craig Council said after the game on Sunday that yeah, he thought the guy's approach at the plate was fine, just kind of hitting into some bad luck. It's a long season, 162 games. Do you take anything away from a from a White Sox series where they had a really hard time scoring? Nothing ebbs and flows more than situational hitting, which I know will be something that's discussed a little bit, but they could just as easily go four for six with runners in scoring position, uh, you know, against uh, against Corey Kluber and the Cleveland Indians. And, to, you know, like it, it just isn't something that you really can afford to get worried about. And, of course, it stinks. You feel like you miss an opportunity if you see the team lose two or three against pretty much the worst team in baseball. But that's just the way baseball works. There are going to be years where the where – bad teams the worst teams beat the best and and in a series in a three-game series and it's just so important to not lose sight of that and and you figure law of averages the brewers have won some games this year a lot of games this year that they just as easily could have lost their record in close games and in you know games where they had had a two-run lead at any point up until this series was was perfect i mean they had not lost a game until uh, friday night when they had taken a two-run lead at any point so they're due to lose a few you know that that are maybe head scratchers if they come against bad teams so no I, I don't take anything away from it in a negative context i mean you can look at you can you can look at the numbers and, and be bummed out about losing two of three but uh, but they could they, you know that's not something that i would i personally would get worked up about just yet one of the things i'm most interested in and you kind of alluded to it a moment ago when you look at their record in extra inning games when you look at their record in one run games the number is fantastic and yeah, extra inning games inherently are, are a crapshoot. You're one lucky swing away from one team winning and, and one team losing. And more often than not, if I see a team that has a really good extra inning record or a really good one-run record, I think it's going to even out. The difference with the Brewers being uh, they have that three-headed monster in the bullpen of Josh Hader, Jeremy Jeffress, and Corey Knable, which it makes, you know, all of a sudden you do take that late lead and it's a hard time, It's you have a hard time, uh, the other team has a hard time doing anything against it. So how legit is their record in close games and how much is it maybe some luck and maybe it will come back in the other direction at some point? I mean, unquestionably there's luck involved, but at some point, you do get deep enough into the season where, you know, the term is it's baked in already. Like, the, the, it's not like they're going to give back some of these lucky lucky breaks that they've gotten. You know, after two months, at, at some point you just say, well, it's a good thing they got all those breaks. It's That's, the, you know, that's already into their record. They could just as easily have, you know, break even with the good breaks going forward and wind up with 90-some wins at the end of the year. So, um, so I think it's perfectly legit. Jefferson, Hayter, and Knable are legit, and I know Knable has struggled a little bit. And, and it isn't even just those guys. Obviously, Matt Albers, he, up until I know he had a rough day on Sunday, but he's he's been really good too. And Taylor Williams has been solid, and uh, Dan Jennings has been excellent, excellent. So um, even though again he struggled a little bit on Sunday, but their their bullpen is truly and honestly the best in baseball. And and I guess the Yankees probably have an argument there, but. I mean, when you have the best in baseball, the best bullpen, that this is what's going to happen. You're going to win close games. You're going to win games that that come down to the wire, and and sure, they could, you know, there, there could end up being some cracks in the foundation where those guys. I don't think Josh Hader stays on this pace all year. I think he, he'll have a valley at some point. I mean, Jeremy Jeffress, um, you know, he did give up a couple runs in a recent game. Maybe maybe there's maybe there maybe he'll hit a valley here too. But there's no reason to think that's definitely going to happen. And then. And it's just a matter of do do you think the starting pitching is good enough to get it to those guys time and time again? That would be my only concern. That I'm not sure that 
they are going to be set with this rotation if if that's how it stays the rest of the year that they'll be able to get enough games to those bullpen guys but um but I, I, I think the I think the bullpen is as legitimate as it possibly can be, as long as everyone understands that that's still a small sample and it could still go bad. Yes, it could go bad over the course of a of a week, and that could uh, get some people's ire up. As long as they understand that's going to be part of the part of any baseball season, then this is this is a great situation. The Brewers are sitting beautifully. Orlando RC was really struggling with the bat. They sent him to AAA because they had the opportunity to do so with Tyler Saladino swinging it pretty well. So that you know that there there seemed to be a window that opened for Arcia to go spend some time at AAA where you weren't going to uh, lose too much production from that spot. You know, offense versus defense, the the whole thing. Well, Saladino gets injured, and then at that point, that window's not open anymore. Arcia came up with a big hit his first time uh, at at the plate. Drove in a run uh, on that day game. I think that was against St. Louis. And then uh, had a base hit on a good hit and run against the White Sox on Sunday. But he's still seemingly not swinging it all that well. How do you handle this situation where you've got a guy who's so good defensively but is seemingly lost at the plate? I agree. I mean, the 5'11 OPS is is pretty bad I mean, and markedly down from even his rookie year when he was still getting his feet wet a couple of years ago. So... I, it just it looks like a confidence thing, doesn't it? I mean, you watch him at the plate, and he just takes many bad swings and misses pitches that are that are in the sweet spot, and it's it's hard to know with confidence thing. It's a, it's not a it doesn't seem like it's a physical thing, so it's hard to know when the confidence is going to click, and it, it might be tomorrow, and it might be forever from now, and if they had a better option at shortstop that could fulfill that role defensively, and Tyler Saladino was playing such good defense that they kind of. They, they kind of could live with that for sure, especially because he was swinging a, a pretty good bat at the time. You know, if they had a, if they had an option, they would definitely send him back down. They would let him work on this stuff and get it figured out, but they don't. And they owe it to the pitching staff to have the best possible defensive shortstop they've got. I mean, that's another key piece of, of them winning all these one-run games. Their defense has been very highly rated if you look at, you know, the defensive metrics, and, and that's a lot to do with the outfield, and then a lot to do with guys like Orlando Arcia and you, you, at some point, you just have to live with it because you, you know that he, you know, if it's a confidence thing, it could catch at any moment. And I, I don't think, I don't think he's going to finish hitting below 200 and reaching base below 240. Like that's not going to happen for the course of the year. So they're just trying to ride out the storm with him. And uh, given that they don't have any other options at shortstop, it's got to be Orlando Garcia. He's just too important defensively to uh, to go with somebody else who who might be just slightly better offensively, but not anywhere in the ballpark on defense. One of my mantras when it comes to Arcia is I want to see ice cream eating Orlando Arcia, and what I mean by that <laughs> is, remember last year he had that thing where there was the foul, foul play in foul territory, and the guy in the front row was eating ice cream, and he took a bite of his ice cream, and to to have that moment to to grab somebody's spoon from the stands and have a bite of their ice cream, you have to be playing with so much confidence and have so much <laughs> swagger. I mean, there's a there's a borderline arrogance to doing that, and we don't see that guy right now. So I will continue to say the Brewers need ice cream eating Orlando Arcia. <laughs> well, I volunteer to eat ice cream in the front row of Brewer <laughs> games going forward to see if we can pull that uh, scenario off for sure. But, uh, I mean, I do remember that. I, I don't necessarily think we've lost that guy completely you know you still see him in the, the the shot of him in the dugout playing with Hernan Perez's hair you know it's just he's still having a good time and there's there's such a good vibe on this team that you know he's as relaxed as he possibly can be he just has to take that into his at bats and um 
and and like I said, that could totally click at any time. And and as long as he's playing great defense, not just good, like great defense, I, I think they have to live with it until uh, until another option comes along. And right now, there is nobody, so it's it's just it's got to be him until further notice. Pretty amazing that this team has the best record in the National League, where your two top pitchers have been Junior Guerra and Yulis Shasin. Shasin's the only pitcher in the rotation that has made every start uh, from the beginning of the season moving forward. Chase Anderson has had his moments, but he hasn't pitched to the level that he's been at recently. Zach Davies has obviously spent some time on the DL and hasn't been overly effective uh, when when he's been in there at times. Uh, Brent Suter has done a nice job, but Brent Suter is Brent Suter. The Starting pitching has it's it's middle of the pack starting pitching Jr. Yet it's a team with the best record in the National League. I think that's reflecting two things. One is that I do think they'll go after a starter at the trading deadline. I don't I don't think they're just going to wait for Jimmy Nelson to come back and hope that he's the ace that he was last year. I think they'll probably I don't know if they'll get a starter, but they're going to pursue a lot of options with the number of teams in baseball right now that are bottoming out. There's going to be it's going to be a buyer's market. There's going to be a lot of options. I don't think it'll be Cole Hamels. I don't think it'll be somebody who's not pitching well right now for for a lot of money. Um, but I think they're going to have the chance to get somebody who, A, can help them right now and probably even stick around, B, for you know next year and the year after. But the other thing is, it's sort of, the Brewers aren't that far below starting pitching, aren't far, aren't far the, below that, the mean that you see around all of baseball like most starting pitchers right now are going 5.5 innings per start that's across baseball that's the same number it was last year the lowest it had ever been and it's taken a marked decline over the past five years even and that just is becoming a bullpen game it's becoming a game where the bullpen guys take up more innings and managers are more and more hesitant to let starters go the third time through the rotation they're not being seen as as functional as they used to be they're not a guy nobody expects the starter to go out and get seven innings on any team anymore so the brewers aren't that far off you know and and they've really kind of been a little bit ahead of the curve which is to their advantage i think to not pursue guys to get those seven you know seven eight inning starts because they know they don't need them with the bullpen they've built so i'm not as concerned about the starter's not looking great. That said, obviously it would be great if Davies could stay healthy and look really good multiple starts in a row. If Chase Anderson wasn't giving up more home runs, you know, beyond any any pace we thought he'd be at uh, coming off of the last two seasons. And, and, and yeah, Junior Guerra's looked great, which is awesome for a guy who didn't even start on the team. And Shasin has been, I'm sure, what they hoped he would be eating up innings and delivering strong performances i think we could see some radical rotate uh, changes to the rotation over the course of the next year i think it could be a completely different set of names within the next year or two because they also have pretty good starting pitching at triple a between woodruff corbin burns and and freddie peralta and some pretty good guys below them so um so i'm not worried about the starting rotation i do think though they'll get somebody at the trade deadline to improve what they got right now yeah i think everything we need to know about Woodruff, Burns, Peralta can be shown by what they did in the offseason. And look, I, I know that Lynn and Cobb ended up signing one-year deals, but I just I got the sense that they were maybe staying out of that starting pitching market because they were so confident in those guys that are coming up. And, and Jr., that could play out in the uh, in the trade deadline as well. It could be a situation where they're not real interested in bringing in a guy who's got a bunch of years at a high rate left on the contract because they feel pretty good about uh, what it's going to look like with those young guys coming up in the very, very near future. I think you're right. I, I still I can't believe they didn't 
with the, with what Lance Lynn signed for, just that one-year deal, I can't believe the Brewers wouldn't have been interested, but that you look back on it now and you think it's a good thing they weren't because the guy's got an ERA over 5.4 and he's, you know, he's struggling. His whip is through the roof and Alex Cobb's ERA is through the roof. Those guys would have been disastrous signings. You Darvish, I think it goes without, you know, we, unfortunately he's good against the Brewers, but <laughs> against everybody else he's been terrible and now injured. So, it's 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 incredible that they didn't actually get one of those sort of fab four with Jake Arrieta being the fourth who who is having a good year. It's it's amazing that they didn't, and yet it looks genius that they didn't. I mean, Eula Shasin is as good as any free agent pitching signing at this point. So, credit to their to that team, that front office that seems to always always push the right button. They've they've made so many good moves since David Stearns took over and and they were very smart not to break the bank and go after somebody that uh, that wasn't going to help them for this year they believed in what they had and and again with starters not being as important maybe as they used to be they it seems like they made the right calls do you all right so i think this thing with the starters going shorter and shorter is two things first off the the metrics show you you face an order for the third time it's not generally good and the second thing is we've seen in the postseason over the last couple of years starters being used less and less and then handing it off to these bullpen pitchers but the postseason is so different than the regular season because of all the off days and everything do you think we'll continue to see this go down the path where starters are being used less and less or is this at some point for some teams going to turn into a deal where bullpens are being way overused and at the end of the season you're going to be hurting because of it if i recall primarily that's a that that makes sense logically that bullpen guys would be worn out by the end of the year i don't think in practice it necessarily bears that out certainly there are are certain guys who get worn out more than others but not necessarily whole bullpens are worn out because they have more usage than than maybe in previous years or whatever I think we will go down, keep going down this path, and, and baseball mutates all the time. So it's possible that in five years it'll be back to being strictly a starters game, that the bullpen revolution, so to speak, didn't work out. But we're seeing teams that are, getting, that are experimenting. They're finally breaking through the idea that relievers need to be used one inning at a time and you know used as many games as possible and closers need to only be brought in with the lead in the ninth inning and there's the setup guy like we for a while everybody was really big on those roles and now we're seeing the erosion of that starting with andrew miller and definitely continuing into postseason recent postseasons and now into josh Hader in the regular season we've seen that uh many teams are, are operating that way so i think at least for the next few years we're going to see more and more dynamic relievers and, and these aren't guys it used to be that the best way it seemed like to build a bullpen was to just throw as little money as possible to it, find a few failed starters and guys that you know were former prospects that had just one or two good pitches and put those guys in your bullpen and, and sort of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And now you're seeing teams emphasizing the bullpen, being willing to pay guys, being willing to develop guys as relievers. Josh Hader was developed as a starter, but he's, he's not going to be a starter again. That ship has sailed. He doesn't want to do it. The team isn't going to want to do it. They they really struck something here. I mean, this is this is a great situation. So, uh, I think you're going to just have more and more guys that are developed that way and and thought of as relievers once their career begins. And uh, I don't I don't know. You know, it's impossible to know five to ten years from now if that if the thinking changes, if the logic changes, it probably will in some way, shape, or form. But uh, but that's definitely where we're headed. All right, last thing for you, and it's it's not completely Brewers-related, but it's baseball in Wisconsin-related. Draft is getting underway on Monday. And Craig Council actually talked about this in a pregame interview that he did with Bob Euchre over the last couple of days, I think maybe on Saturday, about the, the overall 
baseball talent from the prep level in Wisconsin going up. And uh, council credited in large part a lot of these big indoor baseball facilities starting to be built where guys can go have you know full-size cages and do some field work uh, you know, 12 months a year. You got the Waukesha West kid who's going to be drafted very, very early. But you got some other kids from Wisconsin as well who are probably going to have their name called over the course of the three days. How nice is it as somebody like you who's so in on the preps to uh, to kind of see the profile of prep baseball in Wisconsin continue to grow a little bit bigger? It's nice. It's a little different than other sports in that those academies tend to – guys who are really at that elite level, they don't tend to play for their high school team. They play they play for those academies and uh, up until uh, – especially in the Milwaukee area, up until recently, summer baseball was, was what the Milwaukee area employed, and that meant a lot of kids were skipping their summer teams and they were going to be just you know traveling circuit, things like that. Jared Kellenick is from Waukesha West and never never played for the Waukesha West high school team. So we didn't see those guys necessarily. So there was always some surprises. Uh, Max Alba will play for Franklin this year, but he also could get drafted. So maybe he doesn't even put on a Franklin uniform. And uh, Alex Pinellas of Oak Creek is a little bit of an outlier in that he has played with Oak Creek all four years. So there's a little bit of mystery still. But it is true that the Wisconsin baseball is so up. And the you know Hitters Academy and Racine Sticks Academy here in, in the Milwaukee area in Waukesha, those are... Those or 100% part of the, not 100%, but definitely a big, big piece of that puzzle because you do have some pretty high level, um, you know, high level options for these kids through the summers and, and even in fall ball. Guys like Jeff Holtz of Arrowhead, they're going to, you know, he'll, he'll, he might hear his name called. So it's rare that we have four or five guys that you can be watching for the first five, 10 rounds of the draft. Usually, you, you know, you might hear a Wisconsin kid like in the 15th round or something, but. Uh, the last few years have been really good. Gavin Lux went in the first round to the Dodgers in 2016 out of Kenosha Indian Trail. Uh, ben Wurtvet, I think he was a second-round guy, but uh, Jaron Kendall was a college guy but came from Wisconsin. They all, uh, those are first-round first guys, so it's been uh, it's it's been nice it's uh these aren't athletes that i've dealt with a ton because of what i just you know what i said that they don't play for their high school teams as much but it's cool that there's these names to follow and and it's going to be a it's going to be a good day for wisconsin baseball when uh when jared kellenick's name gets called possibly in the top 10 on monday night he is J.R. Radcliffe. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Radcliffe. Radcliffe is R-A-D-C-L-I-F-F-E. J.R., before we let you go, I know you got your podcast over at uh, JS Online, and you do some other stuff. Give me a plug for uh, how people can uh, check out all of your content. Yeah, pretty simple. Go over to jsonline.com, check out the Brewers page. The podcast shows up on, about every 10 days. Usually I'm joined by Tom Hodrick, Todd Rosiak, one of the, you know, the beat writers for the Milwaukee. Brewers try to get as many interviews up there as well. Plus, all of our content is there. You can find me on the JS Online main page from time to time. Definitely on the sports page. So that's uh, that's the place to go. We got tons and tons of content over the course of the season. Jr., thank you so much for your time. This was fun. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Thanks, man. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Externals, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We are very, very happy to once again welcome in one of my favorite people that we ever have on the podcast. I always say it. I got to work with him for uh, six years in Colorado Springs. He is the voice of the Sky Sox, the Brewers AAA affiliate that is uh, Dan Carter. Dan, it's always great to uh, get you on the program. How are you doing? You know, Matt, I bet you say that to all your guests, right? 
Yeah. Are you telling me you don't listen to the podcast and you don't know exactly how I introduce every single guest? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I thank you for that. That's awesome, and I do appreciate it. <laughs> you bet. Uh, l- let me just start with this, because everybody who is on Twitter who listens to this podcast will want me to ask this question first. There, from a, from a major league standpoint, uh, there is a fan obsession, I guess is maybe the word to use, for Nate Orff because there's been so much movement uh, between the Brewers and the Sky Sox, and Orff, unfortunately, is not on the 40-man roster, and I think that's hurt him a bit uh, in terms of getting an opportunity. Does Orff see all the, you know, the, the free Nate Orff hashtag has been out there? Is, does Orff kind of know what's going on, and does he show any signs of being frustrate, frustrated that all this movement and he hasn't yet gotten that opportunity with the Brewers? You know, it's interesting. I talked to him uh, a few weeks back, um, and really it's, it's unfortunate because he's in quite a funk right now and has been for a few weeks. Really since all this took place and when they called up uh, Tyler Saladino and, and Nick Franklin and that sort of thing, and they passed Nate uh, over because he wasn't on the 40-man roster, basically. So I posed that question to Nate, who's one of the best individuals you could ever encounter on or off the field, a true professional. But he said, you know... Um, Whenever I kind of start thinking that way, I kind of think back to when I was a, uh, a walk-on in college, when I was undrafted, getting into professional baseball as a free agent. And he said, if I ever thought back then that I'd be in a position today where I would be upset because they passed over me to, to call somebody else up, but my numbers were as good, if not better, than theirs, and there was kind of an uproar that I wasn't being called up, he said, I would have been ecstatic. So he said, I just remind myself uh, daily that remember back the way it was when you first got into professional baseball, that if you ever thought you'd even be in a position like this, that would have been incredible. So he knows how far he's come, and he doesn't take it for granted. And he, you know, he just keeps everything in perspective. And that's really who Nate Orth is uh, all the way around. So uh, never gets too high, never gets too low. And so he understands the program, and he's just happy to have the opportunity to play triple-A baseball right now and putting up good numbers and, and really opening up some eyes, not only with the Brewers organization, but throughout baseball. When the season got started, he played a lot of second base. I, I haven't seen him play, so I, I, I don't really know what the answer to this question is. Uh, he's... I've heard rumblings that you know maybe the glove at shortstop is another thing, that if they need somebody who can play shortstop, maybe his glove at shortstop isn't quite major league ready. I see him playing a ton of shortstop right now, and I don't see a lot of airs next to his name. How good is he from a shortstop standpoint defensively? He will make all the plays that he needs to make. He won't make the spectacular play. He's not uh, Orlando Arcia by any stretch. Maybe not even uh, Mauricio Dubon or Yadiel Rivera, but he can make the plays that he, he's supposed to make. That being said, you're going to lose some range with Nate Orford shortstop, just to be totally honest with everybody out there. Uh, don't want to paint a, a picture that doesn't exist. But will he hurt a major league team by playing shortstop here and there? Not every day. Just when maybe they need uh, a spot start from him at the shortstop position. Yes, he can. And the fact that he can play other positions as well, I think, raises his stock as a future Major League utility opportunity for some Major League team. Yeah, he's playing a lot of right field as well. Is that is that a, a purposeful thing to make himself even more polished as a, as a National League utility guy? 
that was out of necessity for the AAA ball club late last year because there were so many moves made late in the season last year that led and really forced Rick Sweet's hand, Sky Sox manager, to put Nate Orff in the outfield. He asked Nate if he ever played the outfield. He said yes, but never professionally. <laughs> so he went ahead and tried it, and it looked like Nate had played out there his entire life. You would never know that he had never played a game in the outfield in his professional career up until last year, the way he handled not only reading balls off the bat, but also uh, making all the right throws and that sort of thing. He was as smooth as you could imagine for a guy that's never played the outfield in professional baseball. So he can play there. I would say I have more confidence even in playing the outfield in the major leagues right now than maybe the shortstop position, at least as far as a more consistent type of uh, situation might be uh, available. So, um, no, I think Nate, uh, as far as his versatility is concerned, definitely can play the outfield. He's uh, proved that here at AAA. Because there's been so much movement on the infield, that's why there's so much of a focus on Nate Orff. Kyle Wren doesn't get that focus because the Brewers' outfield has been pretty steady for the most part, and you know, a, a Brett Phillips is there at AAA, guy that could be brought up. Even people who aren't completely aware of what Broxton is doing right now, AAA, Keon Broxton's there even though he's struggling. But Kyle Wren, I mean, he, here's another guy who just continues to put up great numbers. You know, and I don't know when this is going to uh, be uh, released here, Matt, but as of our conversation right now, last night he hit a, a grand slam in the bottom of the eighth inning to win a wild game against Iowa by a final score of 14-11. to 11. His grand slam was the difference in the game. From a guy who you wouldn't expect that from, he has uh, come up in situations not only this year but last year as well where he has come up with some big hits and really has driven the baseball. He understands that being an outfielder, he can't just be a singles hitter. He is uh, very cognizant of the fact that his OPS is an important number for him to be able to uh, open some eyes at the major league level. And he really is, not to say that he's a power hitter by any stretch, but he does understand that uh, he needs to uh, drive the ball more than he used to when he was coming up as a younger uh, player in the professional ranks. So uh, I think he has improved his stock. And again, for these guys like Nate Orff and Kyle Wren, not on the 40-man roster, kind of the guys who have been uh, living at AAA now for for quite some time, I think it's more important for them to uh, maybe understand that they're opening up some eyes with other organizations and scouts that are watching them on a day-in, day-out basis to see what they might be able to do for their team because we all know how stacked the Brewers are when it comes to outfielders. So um, I think Nate will get an opportunity. may not be with the Brewers, but hopefully it will be with some team sometime soon. This is a little inside baseball here, and I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast is going to have any idea what I'm about to make reference to, but one of my favorite moments when we were broadcasting games together was when uh, when Drew Garcia hit a, a home run like that. Where does uh, where does Kyle Wren's home run the other day match up against the uh, the Garcia home run from, what, probably four or five years ago? Yeah, you know, it's pretty close, although Garcia's was a game winner, a walk-off home run, and he had only, boy, he he had very few home runs in the course of his career. Even he admitted that he was surprised the ball left the ballpark that night. I would say Drew's was a little bit more um, kind of surprising and uh, shocking maybe, uh, but both were definitely uh, significant and uh, had as much impact for their team uh, when they hit them, so... Very good comparison, Matt, but uh, yeah, we all remember back when Drew hit that home run. I about fell off my chair and uh, you know, it took me a while to recover from that, but Drew, 
Drew, like uh, Kyle, is such a great kid, and he was ready, readily to admit after the game that that was his biggest hit of his career. Hmm. And so uh, we were all very happy for him, and, and of course it was a big win for the Sky Sox. And any time a guy like that who's not expected to uh, to come through with a hit quite that dramatic, you're as happy for them as you are for the team to have won the game. So uh, it, it's fun to watch, and, and we're all happy for Kyle that he was able to come through with his first Grand Slam of his career, and it came in such a big moment. Jacob Nottingham has not played since May 11th with the uh, the the intercoastal strain or coastal strain, however you, you stay at the strain. We weren't given much of a timeline when that injury first happened. Has there been – is he doing any work on the field? Is he around the team, or is he in Arizona? Is there any update right now on Nottingham? Yeah, he was in Arizona. He's going to join the team actually on Tuesday in Fresno for the road trip to California. So he's ready to go. And uh, that's great news. Uh, we have really missed his bat in the lineup, not to mention the fact that uh, his presence behind the plate. And so it's going to be kind of a logjam behind the plate when we arrive in Fresno because not only is uh, Nottingham joining the team, but Jeff Bandy, who cleared waivers, uh, is also going to join the team. So the Sky Sox will have three frontline catchers when that series begins in Fresno on Tuesday in uh, Jacob Nottingham, Jeff Bandy, and Christian Bethencourt, who's played tremendous baseball so far this year both at the plate and behind the plate so going to be kind of tricky for manager rick sweet to make sure they all get enough playing time but uh it's a nice problem to have at least for the short term because i understand that christian bethencourt does have an out in his contract coming up later this month so we'll see how that plays out to be honest with you dan i thought there was a pretty good chance that if they were going to make a move on Jet Bandy to remove him from the big league roster, maybe Bethencourt would be that guy based off what he's done at AAA. Uh, the Brewers instead went outside the organization and brought in a catcher in, in Eric Kratz, and Bethencourt is still at AAA. Uh, again, I, I don't want this whole conversation to be about guys who are frustrated, but uh, was there any maybe surprise that it wasn't Bethencourt who got that chance? You know, a little bit, and, and I don't know how he felt about it, but um, again, you know, here's a guy that's got a lot of experience, and uh, he's been playing well behind the plate. He's throwing out roughly 40% of the runners trying to steal against him, so he's, he's done a great job in keeping the running game down to a minimum, and he's uh, handling pitchers well. Uh, he's driving the ball. He's hitting home runs, driving in runs. His OPS is up there. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else you would want from a guy like that. My only... Uh, I guess uh, the only thing I can think of, Matt, is that maybe they wanted somebody with more major league experience behind the plate, seeing as though the Brewers are a legitimate uh, contender there in the in the National League Central. Uh, obviously, they're leading the division right now, but maybe they wanted somebody and they weren't quite ready to uh, give Bethencourt the reins uh, to be the backup to Pena up there. So that's my take on it, is maybe they just wanted somebody who had a little bit more experience at the major league level than what Christian Bethencourt has. Corbin Burns at one point was just rolling He's hit a little bit of a speed bump recently. He's given up three, four runs per game. That's not horrible, especially uh, you know in the Pacific Coast League, where which is an offensive league. But it seems like his numbers are not now where they were earlier on the season. Is there any struggle right now for Burns, or is this more of a case of just uh, the environment in which he's pitching? Yeah, you know, I think that's probably it, Matt. I think that bladder is probably the case, just the fact that he's trying to adjust not only to uh, pitching the altitude in Colorado Springs, but also uh, in the Pacific Coast League in general, which is obviously known as a hitter's league. So, yeah, I mean, let's face it, this guy has risen uh, rapidly throughout the minor league ranks, and he's still a young man, so maybe the expectations were a little bit too high for him 
uh, coming into this year. But, but again, the numbers are skewed because of where he's pitching in the PCL and, of course, that security service field for half of his games. And I'll vouch for this. I mean, security service field is always a nightmare for pitchers, but for him it's been even worse because when he's pitched, it seems like either it's been uh, incredibly cold or the wind's been blowing straight out. He's had to try and overcome those kind of challenges, and, and really I've been impressed with the fact that he hasn't made any excuses. He's a guy that no nonsense out there on the mound. He's kind of reminds me of Brandon Woodruff because he has a kind of a bulldog mentality out there, and that's what you need uh, when you're pitching in, in that kind of environment. So I think for uh, Corbin, this is a good experience for him, and we all know that it's better for these guys to experience some adversity before they go up to the big leagues because we all know they're going to experience it up there, so uh, better to find out how they handle it down here before they move on to the big stage there in the major leagues. So I think he'll be fine, but again, just some growing pains for a guy who has moved up the ladder in rapid fashion. I, I look at the pitchers. You have Corbin Burns, who we've just been talking about, Adrian Hauser making his AAA debut after his uh, big league debut. Got just uh, one out his last time out. I don't know completely what's going on there, but Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff, there are a lot of high-level prospect pitchers who are having a lot of success that's a that's a nice group of pitchers that the sky Sox have right now that really are it's a major league ready group seemingly yeah it really is and you know i think it's been unfortunate because uh, there have been so many moves back and forth that except for maybe corbin burns they really haven't been able to kind of get their feet under them and kind of get into a routine and i think that's been the problem with brandon woodruff not that he's not putting up good numbers down here but i think uh, he would be a lot better off if he was pitching consistently every five days instead of going back and forth between colorado springs and milwaukee and also between the starting rotation and the bullpen up there that uh you know he would be uh, much uh, further advanced if not for some of those issues, but then again, that's kind of the deal right now. Brewers uh, are, are trying to win a, a, a division title, and uh, if they need Woodruff to come up and, and make a spot start or, or pitch out of the bullpen, by all means, that's what they're going to do, and he's going to have to try and learn how to do that. But these guys being young guys and uh, moving back and forth is not an easy thing to uh, undertake, so I think it's uh, it's been tough on them. Even Freddie Peralta, you know, I mean, had that great major league debut and then had another start against Minnesota, got sent down. And so now he's trying to, uh, you know, get back into his routine. So, yeah, it's a great staff at AAA, no question about it. But uh, we just faced the Cardinals AAA team, the Memphis Redbirds, and I have never seen a starting rotation as strong as theirs. Four guys in that rotation were all throwing in the mid to upper 90s. And we're all number one starting pitchers at AAA, for mm-hmm. sure, if not number five starters in the big leagues. So uh, there's some pitching out there, and uh, the, the Brewers are in good company with some of the teams in this league that have a strong uh, AAA starting pitching that can uh, make the transition to, to the major leagues when uh, given the call. Last thing for you, Jorge Lopez, He's he's been that guy this year with the Brewers who comes up, sits around for a while, has a three-inning outing, and then gets sent back down. And it kind of goes to what you were just saying. But it, at least at the big league level, seems like something's clicked a little bit more with him. And I'm I'm looking at his AAA numbers where he's four or five in save opportunities, has a three ERA. Uh, that's a place he has struggled at, at previously. You're not going to find a guy, at least as I'm as far as I'm concerned, with a better attitude than, than Jorge Lopez. From a from a pitching perspective, has something seemingly clicked with him this year? You know, I think, Matt, I think uh, he's found his niche. I think kind of like Josh Hader when uh, the Brewers put him in the bullpen after starting down here at AAA, that's where he belonged. That's where he best fit. 
uh, with his combination of pitches, the fastball slider. Uh, really didn't have a third pitch that uh, would translate into uh, being a, a starting pitcher at the major league level. So I think the same for, for Ordhe. I think his stuff translates best out of the bullpen, where he can go max effort for uh, one or two innings and then uh, come back maybe a night or two later. So I think uh, that's the best role for him. I think he feels uh, more confident taking the mound now. I think he was miscast before, but but that's all part of uh, developing these guys at the minor league level is to find out what they can and cannot do even though Orhe had really a lot of success at double-A as a starting pitcher when he got to triple-A facing more advanced hitters. And, of course, as we have discussed before, uh, being a hitter's league, it presented a lot of challenges for Orhe Lopez that ultimately led to him being uh, sent back down to double-A. But I think he, he really has a lot more confidence, having found his niche out of the bullpen. And I think that's where he belongs, and he will help the Brewers a lot more from that perspective than he would have as a starting pitcher. Uh, you brought up Josh Hader, so I'm going to ask you real quick. I mean, this guy has become maybe the most dominating relief pitcher in all of baseball. People have actually talked about him being a Cy Young Award candidate. Could have, I, I'm sure you had confidence that he could be a, a successful major leaguer, but what have your thoughts been as you've watched this guy strike out, you know, 56% of the, the batters that he faces? It's just, it's, it's been incredible from our perspective, having seen him at AAA just a year ago. What's been your takeaway on his uh, big league performance? Well, I'm stunned, quite honestly, because uh, he didn't put those kind of numbers up down here. In fact, he struggled uh, quite a bit at, at AAA as a starting pitcher there again. And, of course, that has proven to be another situation where the Brewers understood that his best role would be out of the bullpen. So I'm really stunned and, and obviously pleasantly surprised over what he's been able to do as a, as a big league pitcher. But he always had the stuff. And uh, everybody knew that that would uh, translate to, to the big leagues. But um, having found his, his role as a reliever, I, I think, uh, again, not only from whatever he is able to uh, throw out there translates better as, as a reliever as opposed to a starting pitcher, but also the confidence factor where he feels better coming out of the bullpen, going max effort for one or two innings um, whenever he's called upon. And, and uh, that's where, where he excels the most. And, and uh, no, it's great watching these guys and sometimes you know it's funny Matt I, I know you experienced this too when you were calling games with me down here that uh, sometimes you would get a guy who would pitch better at the major league level than he would here at the PC in the PCL and we would say yeah this is a tough league um, you know kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek of course but it is a tough league not only with uh, the venues you have to pitch in with that that are more hitter friendly but also the travel the lighting and everything else is, is not as good as it is, obviously, in the major leagues. So you add all those factors into the equation, and, and you understand kind of how a guy like uh, Josh Hader would put up such uh, crazy numbers uh, at the major league level while he kind of struggled here at AAA. So uh, that kind of gives you hope for, for guys that maybe, like we discussed with Corbin Burns, uh, yeah, his numbers may not be all that great down here, but he's uh, pitching in a, in a very challenging league, and that should prove to be a benefit to him and the Brewers down the road when uh, when his time comes to uh, give it a shot up there with the Brewers. He is Dan Karcher. You can follow him on Twitter at SkySoxKarch. Dan, if folks uh, want to listen to uh, the broadcast, uh, SkySox.com, the best way to go about that? Yeah, they can uh, click on to the broadcast from there. Uh, Extra Sports uh, 1300, of course, is the uh, the radio station. They also have a uh, an app that you can uh, that you can download. So uh, we'd love to have everybody uh, tune in from time to time just to keep up with all the uh, the Brewers uh, kids that are coming up. Of course, all the guys that are going back and forth and whatnot. And 
it's exciting times for uh, for Brewers fans, so I know they all want to keep uh, up with what's going on down there at the AAA level, and of course this being the final year of uh, AAA baseball in Colorado Springs. It's kind of nostalgic. We're kind of enjoying a lot of throwback type of uh, events with the team wearing uniforms from you know, way back to the 1900s to the 1950s and now into the 80s and 90s and, and that sort of thing. So it's been, it's been a fun season so far, and, and hopefully the kids can continue to play well and uh, stay in contention for the rest of, uh, of the season here because it's been fun so far. Always fun to bring you on the podcast. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, we'll catch up again here in the next month or so. All right, Matt. Appreciate hearing from you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Dan Karcher, the voice of the Sky Sox, joining us, and we appreciate him taking some time with us today. We also appreciate J.R. Radcliffe, who joined us during the social media conversation. That's just about going to uh, wrap up this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Here is what's going down over the course of the next week or so for the Brewers. It's going to start with an off day on Monday, and then they're going to get back at it on Tuesday when they play two quick games against the Cleveland Indians. Uh, The pitching matchup on that first game is kind of interesting. It matches up uh, the two top pitchers for the respective teams. Junior Guerra is going to go for the crew, and Corey Kluber is set to go for uh, the Indians. And then you've got uh, Chase Anderson against Carlos Carrasco in the second game of that series. They'll enjoy an off day on Thursday. That is going to be their second off day on the road. You don't have many road trips that include two off days. But they had an off day on the road in Cleveland on Monday. They'll then have an off day on the road in Philadelphia on Thursday. And they will play a three-game set against the Phillies coming up this weekend. And that's in front of them getting set for a uh, three-game set against the Cubs at home that's going to start on Monday, June 11th. And we'll talk more about that coming up on next week's edition of the program. Again, do want to say thank you to uh, my two guests today as uh, we had both J.R. Radcliffe and Dan Karcher. And uh, thank you for uh, listening. As always, if you want to get at me, you can do so on Twitter at Matt Pauly on air or via email matt.pauly at wtmj.com. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.